0: Once again father we come to you in the name of Jesus father your word says the entrance of your word brings light your word is a lamp unto our feet a light unto our path your word father is a double-edged sword which has got the capacity to divide the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's like a hammer that can break. It's like a fire which will consume. That's what your word says, O oh Lord. And I pray this morning, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Speak to us, O oh Lord. Not the words of man, but your words, O oh Lord. That that you would anoint us afresh this morning, and you'd grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we might know you. We might know the heights of our calling, O Lord. The depths of our, the the calling, O Lord Jesus, that we have in our lives, that so many of us take so lightly. I pray, Father, that you'll reveal us the glory of our call in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. I pray, Father, to that end you pray, that, that I pray, pray, Father, that that you would bless, O Lord, the hearing and the speaking of this word. Touch our hearts. Transform us. Renew us in the inner man and cause us to walk in your ways. In Jesus name, Amen. Alright, uh, this morning, if you were there last Sunday, I'm sure you heard something so powerful. And one of the things that I was thinking about, you know, that the most important person that has to be, that we have to be focused upon is God. Okay. Church is not about man. Church is about God. We are not man-centric. We don't Solve people people's problems. We introduce them to God, and when we introduce them to God in His entirety, our lives will change. Our lives will be blessed. So keep that in mind. Never ever. No, I was I was listening to Derek Prince once uh, some time back, and uh, he was giving this uh, ex, uh, you know story of something which happened in World War Two. In World War Two, there was an uh, there was a um, embargo on uh, Germany that they were not allowed to manufacture weapons. But they wanted my weapons, so what they did was, they they uh, had employees or people who worked in their factories, they divided the factory into different different units, and they wanted to make manufacture guns. So what they did was, each unit would manufacture one part, and that there would be an assembly plant, and uh, all the parts would come there, and they would assemble and make guns there so what did they tell the employees they said you no know, all the factory workers they said what are we making what factory is this they said this is a, a pram factory to uh, you know manufacture prams for your children oh so you know they all thought it was a pram factory so one one day one guy had a baby in his home so he wanted a pram so he said okay well, i'll do one thing i'll ask all these guys to give me different different parts from their uh, all my colleagues to give me different different parts and you know uh, and i'll make a pram for my baby so uh, what it happened that you know the, he told his friends you know get me your, your part from your unit etc. So uh, after uh, after secretly you know getting all those enemy uh, those parts he went to his home and he started assembling them together. And after a while the next day his friend called him and found him and he said how is the plan working? And he looked at him and he said I can't understand it. and He said what's wrong? What happened? Every time I Try to put the things together, I get a gun. I don't get a pram. You know, then Derek Brian goes on to say, you know, that is exactly what happened to this, these days, you no? Know? What we have done is we have created a Jesus of our own imagination. But when you go and search the scriptures and you study the scriptures and you do your research and reconstruct God, what are they saying? And what do I have? You see, that's a problem, you see. You, if you really, really meet God in his entirety, you know, you will have a personal quake. Okay, you know what it said? It's called a personal quake. That's exactly what happened to Daniel. When Daniel saw this vision of this, of this holy one, you know what it says in Daniel chapter 9, if I'm right? It says, my comeliness turned in me into corruption. And I fell flat on my face like a dead man. That means all the goodness that was in me just was exposed and everything was bad about me. You know, we have Jeff who's gonna to go to IIT. Okay. When you go to IIT, you will find some real top mega pants over there. Okay. You thought you were a taupe, but IIT is full of tops. Okay. And you know what will happen? When you go there, you you thought I'm the topper, and you know. I was OU Usman University third rank. Okay, I thought IIT went through. That's what I thought. So when I went there, these fellows were there from different, different places, different, different universities, uh, all India rank one, all India rank three, they're solving equations in the air. And I'm looking at them, you know what happened? My comeliness turned in me into corruption. When I looked at human perfection, what happened to me? I had a personal quake. Now think about when you are exposed to divine perfection, what will happen to you? you see, that's a problem. We don't understand God in his entirety. You will have a personal quake. That's exactly the reason why Isaiah, the prophet of all the prophets, he's called the prince of all the prophets. When he has this vision of the Holy One, he says, Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm dwelling among a people of unclean lips. Understand who God is. God in his entirety, we will not be able to appreciate the work of Jesus on the cross. Unless and until we understand God in his totality with all his attributes. Understand that. My goodness, what we have created in this 21st century is a cotton candy Jesus. Candy cotton. Candy cotton who will solve all, he's a Johnny on the spot. Who will, who will solve all your problems. You don't have any idea what's going, what's coming, you know, on the, on the, on the other side. (laughs) John the apostle, when he was there in the island of Patmos, this was the guy who was leaning on Jesus' breasts at the Last Supper. And whenever, when he saw him in his glory, his eyes like fire, feet like bronze, hair like wool. He fell flat on his face like a dead man. He had a personal quake. You see, when we meet God in his totality, we'll be in for a big shock. And the purpose of the ministry of the word of God is to dis- reorient us. You know, we uh, we have parent orientation in our school. I, mean, I used to wonder what is parent orientation. So we I went by Classical definition, orientation. I'm disoriented. I have all my thoughts scattered around here and there. I have no idea about what I'm doing. So let me orient you back to exactly what the what we are doing in this school. That's exactly what we need every time we come to the church. We need a proper image of who God really is. That's the reason why A.W. Tozer in his book, you know, the Holy One, the, the knowledge of the Holy One. You know what he says? What we think about God is actually an expression of who we are in reality. What we think about God is what we are in reality. So don't ever take God lightly. There's no lightness in our lives. Okay, Joshua chapter 7 today. Let's read a few verses. And let me give you the context here in this particular, uh, when I'm I'm reading a few verses here and I'll, I'll share what the Lord has laid on my heart. So Joshua is entering into the promised land. Moses is dead. Joshua is commissioned to lead the people of Israel and he is going to be leading the people to and and cause them to inherit the promised land. So the leaders prepared and before they even go for the first conquest, there's a series of things that happen. There's a series of preparations that the children of Israel have to go through. Okay, first of course, uh, uh, Joshua chapter 2 will talk about uh, Rahab, the episode of Rahab. After that, Joshua chapter 3 will talk about the crossing of Jordan. And you know what uh, Joshua says? From this day, you will know that the living God is among you, and He will certainly drive out all these people who are inhabiting and inhabiting the promised land. Okay? And you remember that story? And they they pass through Jordan, they come onto the other side, they make a memorial of stones, some memorial in the waters, a memorial outside the waters, and then on chapter number five, they're all circumcised. Okay? And after the circumcision, there's a series of preparations that happened. After the circumcision happens, Joshua meets this commander with a drawn sword. He's looking at Jericho and Joshua meets this commander with a drawn sword. And Joshua looks at him and he says, are you for us? Or are you against us? Are you liberal? Are you conservative? Are you Bajwa? Are you INC? And he says, neither. You have to make a... Choice to follow me. I'm not going to choose for you. You are to make, you have to follow me. I don't choose you. I mean, I, may, I don't take sides. You have to take my side. And then he says, take off your shoes for the place that you're standing is holy ground. Where is he standing? He's standing in the holy land, the land of promise, and he's telling Joshua, this is my land. Be very careful as to how you deal with it. And of course, that's the picture. Of course, Joshua, the prom- the conquest of the, of the promised land. We don't have a land. We don't have a promised land. We have the Messiah, Jesus himself. He is our inheritance. And what we have is the promises in the Messiah. The life of Jesus Christ is promised to us. And the life of Jesus Christ does not automatically happen. We need to fight for it every day of our lives. Because whom he has predestined, them also he has called Whom he has called, them also has justified. And whom he has justified, them also has glorified. Why did he predestine them? So that they'll be conformed to the what? To the image of his son. Yes, we have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. But we have to grow in the righteousness of Jesus. So that we have the image. And one day when we meet him, it's the Christ in us who is the hope of glory. And he has to increase. He has to have increased dominion over areas in our lives. So so then they fight of course the first war they have the first fight that they have is 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 uh, the Jer- wars of jericho come down and you remember that story i've preached from this from this pulpit several times telling them that this these are conquests they cannot be con- conquered through military strategies these are spiritual conquests and the way you conquer the con- uh, the, the promised land is through obedience in the minutest things precise obe- obedience to God in his little, little things. That's the reason why it says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate upon it day and night and you shall not turn to it from the left or to the right. Then you will have not just success, you will have good success. Okay. So success anybody can have, but good success only God will give. All right. And then, of course, we ha- uh, God says to people in, uh, when in once they conquer Jer- uh, Jericho, slaughter everybody, burn everything, except Rehab. All the silver and gold and iron that will go to the Lord's treasury. Don't touch it. If you touch it, if you touch any accursed thing, you will bring curse upon yourself and the whole congregation will be cursed. And then what happens? We know the story of Achan. How he takes the things that he does, some accursed thing he takes and he hides it. And there we meet. Uh, so we. Uh, this is where Joshua chapter seven starts. That's the. That's the. That's the. The con, uh, context of this passage. Okay, Joshua chapter seven. <coughs> But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan the son of Karmai, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed things. And if you look at this chapter, the word accursed, accursed keeps on repeating. Okay, accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burnt against the children of Israel. You see what happened? The wrath, the other translation, the wrath of God burnt against Israel. Who? These are God's people? Are we, are we not supposed to be a, Saved from the wrath of God. Look at what what happened over here. They transgressed and the anger of the Lord burnt. Now if you look at this particular uh, passage, you will see the judgment of God is instantaneous. Okay. God was starting something new. He started... Israel on the journey to conquer their promised land and when he started something new, he wanted to ensure that everybody has the fear of the Lord. Everybody un- understands who God really, really is and therefore he judges them instantaneously. That's exactly what happens even in the church. You have, you have a parallel passage. You have uh, Ananias and Sapphira giving, not taking. Can you imagine? Giving can judge you. Giving and not taking. God judges, but He he doesn't do that now. I mean, if he does that, I don't know how many dead bodies we will have every Sunday. Okay. But that does not mean that he's not the same. That's the reason why it says in Ecclesiastes, just because God does not not punish sin instantaneously, men's hearts are set on doing wrong. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. We are set upon doing the wrong thing. So we have this man Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabda, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took up the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burnt against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men, look at this, immediately the moment the, there is sin in the camp, what happens is, there is no, if you look at it, if you read it subtly, there is no communion with God. The communion with God is gone. There is no consultation anymore. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which was beside beth heaven beth Heaven means the house of iniquity on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out I. By the word, the word Achan means trouble. Okay? You'll have, what's your name? Trouble. Can you imagine that? No, that's exactly what happened to Ahab. Oh, he looked at Elijah. You troubler of Israel. You know what he said? I am not the one who is troubling you. You and your wife are the people who are actually troubling. See, the word trouble is not almost always negative. You can be a trouble to the enemy. You can be a spoiler of the enemy. Of the enemy, I mean, you can fight the powers of darkness and they will say, Baba Vijay, trouble. Apostle Paul, trouble. Okay. Peter, trouble. You see, you can be a trouble to the enemy. But the problem here is he is not trouble to the enemy. He is a trouble to the people of God. His name is trouble. So you can be sitting right there in the church and you can be calling yourself Mr. and Mrs. Eswaratnam. But God says, trouble. You see? And they returned to Joshua and said, okay, so this is, and they returned to Joshua and said to them, do not let all the people go. See the the overconfidence over here already. See, what happens is, sin is like that. Sin is so innocuous, it doesn't seem very harmful. How we can handle it? Study in a name, you Go one peg every day. There's only one peg. Study, nothing is happening to me. See, nothing is nothing's happening. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely, see, there's no, I'm not an addict. I have the mental strength to say no anytime. Who told you? Who told you? No anytime, time. Really? I have the mental strength to say no no, anytime. That's what I used to ask my friends. Are, how are you able to watch this trash on the internet and still work? Vijay, I'm mentally strong. That's what the worldly people say. I'm mentally strong. You see, that's false confidence. That is the reason why sin is compared to a devourer. Sin is crouching at the door, but you should what? Master it. In why? What? what is sin? It is something which says, I'm not very harmful. Take it easy. Okay, go on eating your grass. I'm not here. Just imagine, no, if you see National—I like that graphic, no, National Geographic—and the deer is eating, and the lion is slowly crouching and coming closer and closer and closer and closer, crouching like that, and then the wind passes like that, and the deer smells. That's like a lion. And what does the lion do? I'm not here. Not here. That's exactly what the lion does. I'm not here. Take it easy. It's crouching. It's a predator. You don't even realize. That's the reason why you know what happened to Gehazi, right? Gehazi took one talent, or it. Just give me two talents. Take for two to four, I mean one talent and two two changes of garments. He gives them double. And he brings them and hides them. And Eli- Elisha says, Where did you go? Oh well, I don't go anywhere. Is this the time to get money and uh, clothing and bank balance and garments and maid servants and manservants? And Hari, I just got two garments, Baba. What are you reading here? That is sin. Sin seems so innocuous, so subtle, so deceitful. That is the reason why it's called the deceitfulness of sin you'll be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin and they returned to Joshua and said do not let all the people go but let only 2 or 3000 men go and attack do not be very do not do not weary all the people there for they are few we can handle this baba no problem so about 3000 men went up, up from there but the but they fled from the men of Ai and the men of Ai struck down about 36 men for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent before the, and therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. That's exactly what it does. Your confidence will go because the Lord is not with you. See, our confidence is not in our own strength. If you're a believer, your confidence is not in your ability or your talent. That is the reason why it says, cursed is a man who trusted in man and who makes flesh his arm. He's, he'll be like a what? A parched a shrub in a desert. Parched shrub in a desert. You see that? So so, so they struck and, There's fear. Then let's move on. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God! No, some just same like that guy who lost his accent? Alas, my master. It was borrowed. Same thing. Alas, is a cry of desperation. Alas, Lord God, why you have brought this people over the, over, over the Jordan to, all, to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when, the, when Israel turns its back before the enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it. Surround us. Cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Who has sinned? Wow. Not Achan. Israel. And they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things. Have stolen, deceived and put it among their own stuff. That means they hid. It is not one person. It is there. It is plural controversial no some of the things that you will understand from this is unbelievable okay therefore the children of israel could not stand before their enemies but their backs but they turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed for destruction they have become accursed in other words neither will i be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you get up Sanctify the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow because thus says the Lord God of Israel. There is an accursed thing in your midst O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have taken away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning therefore you shall be brought to your tribes and it shall be the tribe which the Lord takes shall, shall come according to the families. The family the Lord takes shall come according to the households and the household which the Lord takes shall come by man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. You see that? Let's look at this verse. So the anger of the Lord burned hot against Israel. Against the children of Israel. Bible is full of warnings to God's people, not the world. Bible has been written, all the epistles were written to the church. Bible is full of warnings to God's people. Look at some warnings. I just want you to look at certain warnings. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous. How many of you think covetousness is sin? I mean, everybody knows that idolatry is, I mean, uh, greed is, I'm sorry, uh, drunkenness is sin, or lust is sin, or you have so many sins which will qualify as sin, but how many of you felt, I'm convicted, become so so greedy today. Lord, I'm a greedy person. Lord, help me from my greed. I don't get those prayer requests. Lord, help me from my this, help me from my that, Lord. But Lord, I'm a greedy, covetous man. Lord, help me. (laughs) That is innocuous, you see. Nobody knows. You can't see that. Okay, anyways. not drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But it says, and such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the spirit of our God. In other words, you were some of you. These were all, you, you were all these things. But once you came to God, you cannot practice such a lifestyle. You have to kill sin. Otherwise, sin will kill you. If you live according to the flesh, you will die, say die everybody die, what kind of a death is that physical death who is that you the people of the world I am not going to interpret it, I am just letting the scripture speak by itself but if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body will live for as many as are led by the spirit of God Arthur no, being led by the spirit of God is not I am being led to marry this person I am being led to tarry. I am being led to go to this job. No, no, no. That is not leading. That is not being led by the spirit of God. The, the leading of the spirit of God in the context of Romans chapter 8 is to put to death by the spirit the deeds of the body. And you will live. Otherwise you will die. What is that death? What, what kind of a death is that? It is eternal separation. That is the reason why it says in Hebrews chapter 5, even Jesus, when he was a son, learned obedience to the things he suffered. But when he was in the days of his flesh, with loud cries and tears, he made his request before God, who is able to save him from what death? You know, it's not death, death on the cross. Because if that was the case, if, the, if it was, was the death on the cross he was crying for, then he didn't answer. He was saying, Lord, if I sin, gone. I am separated eternally and nobody has any hope. See that? And such were some of you. But you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God. Colossians chapter three. Another one. Therefore, put to death. Say, put to death. And then the word is mortify. Chicken, these tak taka 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 Have you seen chicken? When you go to the chicken shop, the fellow will cut off your slit, uh, throat first, and then it will go into the into the dabba. No? and then the fellow will take it out and he'll skin it out. Okay. All the girls will say echi. But that he'll skin it, skin it out. And then after that, he'll wash it. And when he puts it on the on the on the weighing machine, you know, one of the muscles will go like this. Have you seen that? And then he cuts it, the leg will be going like this. He says, mortify it. Put to death. Kill. You don't kill sin, kill, sin will kill you. What kind of a death? Eternal death. To whom? Believers. Once saved, always saved. I don't know. I'm not saying anything here. I don't know, Baba. I am not going to say anything controversial. Okay. So, put to death fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is what? What is idolatry? Idolatry, which anything which replaces God in your life is an idol. We know that, right? You know what? Anything which replaces God in your life, you know what you're telling to God? Oh God, you are my savior, not Jesus. You are my righteousness, not Jesus. You are my holiness. You are my sanctification. You are my redemption. Not Jesus. Very animated. You see? And then he says, because of these things, what is coming? The wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves walked. So don't continue to walk. So you know, let me tell you something. In other words, you do not know whom you are meeting. You are meeting a God who is absolutely holy know, if you read uh, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, okay, Mr. Beaver is introducing Aslan to that girl, okay, <laughs> and she says, you know what, Aslan, C.S. Lewis, of course, Chronicles of Narnia, okay, Aslan is the, is the king of that place, and she says, oh, he's the king, but he's a lion, what, he's a lion, and then she's really, really scared. And she says, Oh, and she's very uncomfortable. She thought Aslan was a man. But now somebody told her that Aslan is a lion. And then she looks at Mr. Beaver and she says, uh, he, she's oh, at the prospect of her meeting a lion, who would want to meet a lion? Tell me. Okay, nobody wants to meet. No. And she says, uh, is he safe? Is he safe? You know what that Mr. Beaver says? Who said he's safe? He is not safe. But he is good. He is not safe. But he is good. God is good. But he's not safe. One of the things Israelites had to be taught. Right from the beginning after they came out of the promised land. God is good. He brought you out of the land of Egypt. But be careful he is not safe. Put protections around you so that you will not die. And I'll show you one verse in which a powerful verse when I read it for the first time. It's found in Numbers chapter 1, where all the tribes are numbered except the tribe of Levites. This is Numbers chapter 1. I'm reading from the NIV, verses 48 onwards. The Lord had said to Moses, You must not count the tribe of Levi or include them in the census of the others, other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant, covenant law over all its furnishing and everything that belonging to it. And then. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishing. They are to take care of it. They, who are they? Everybody? The Levites had to take care of it. They had to encamp around it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take down. That means they have to dismantle it, in other words. And whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall do it. Anyone else who approaches it shall be put to... No, this is okay. Okay. You have to put to death. But look at what it says the next verse. Verse 52. Israelites are to set up their tents by divisions. Each one of them in their own camp under their standard. The Levites, however, are to set up their tents around the tabernacle of the covenant law. So that my wrath will not fall on her. Oh, he is good. But he is not safe. He is good. But he is not safe. The Levites are to be responsible for the tabernacle of it. So that is the that is the job of the priest. You know what the job of the priest was? They were to teach the people the difference between the what? The holy and the profane and the clean and the unclean, so that when they come to worship, they will not be struck by God. They will not be struck by God. It's amazing when Nadab and Nabaihu. After seven days of ordination, can you believe it? Seven days of ordination. When we had ordination in our church, the first thing that God reminded me to was to read Numbers chapter, I Leviticus chapter ten. Seven days of ordination. What happened? Two fellows died. Another. Why? Why did they die? They took strange fire, unauthorized fire. And it says, fire came from the presence of the Lord and it struck them and they died. Now, if fire comes, what should happen to you? You should be burned. You know, but they were not burnt. You know that? They were struck by the fire. What does it mean to be struck by the fire? I believe God showed them their wrath. His wrath, His face, the other side, and they couldn't handle it and they died. They couldn't handle it! You see, that is God! He is good, but He is not safe. Struck there, died. And then it says, He told, He says to Aaron, don't cry Aaron. Because whoever comes to minister before me, I will be regarded as holy. I will be regarded as holy. Sanctified, set apart, don't make me common. No. See, that is the reason why we don't appreciate salvation. You see, many people, when they come to the Lord, you know what what they say? You know, I had problems, Jesus Christ came and solved my problems, therefore, then Jesus Christ said, But they were not convicted of their sin. They only thought that Jesus is the one who will solve their problems, but they were never convicted about their sin. You see? He is good, but he is not saved, my dear brothers and sisters. Understand that. The goodness and the severity of God. The goodness of God and the severity of God. Severity towards Jesus so that we can be saved. So that we could experience his goodness. That is the reason why it says, don't you know, That the goodness of God leads you to what? Like uh, Peter was leading in worship. He says, leads us to what? Repentance. But according to your heart and in unrepentant heart, what are you storing up yourself for yourself? Wrath. In the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Who will render to every man according to his works. Who will render to every man according to his works. So if you do not understand that, one of the things, the first law of holes. Stop digging. Otherwise, you'll be digging for yourself a grave. First law of holes, stop digging. Okay, let's move on. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned. So let me make a few observations. What is accursed? Something which is irredeemable in your life. Okay? That which has been devoted to total what? Destruction. The Greek translation of the word accursed is anathema. No, tell me, as believers, what is that part of us which is irredeemable? They're all theologians already. You see what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, what? Your old man which grows what? Corrupt. It's growing corrupt. What is Corrupt. Irreversible process. It is called the second law of thermodynamics. Entropy. What is entropy? You know it every day in your room. Chaos. You don't have to do anything. You have to do, you don't have to do anything for the room to be in disorder. Right? But you have to do everything to keep it in order. Kala. If you go to your office, my boss also is like me. They're all researchers. So we take pride in our disorder. So when I went to his home, everything was in disorder. I said, this is my clan. But you go to Sister Elsa's and Pastor James's home, everything in order. You should go to Pastor James's office. One dust there he will see. Oh, dust. Everything in order. And you know what he says? Vijay. Your attitude towards dust reflects your attitude towards sin. Ammo, who can dwell in the midst of everlasting burnings, Baba? You See that? Everything is tending towards disorder. In other words, do whatever you want with this world. It is going towards disorder. It is getting decay. Decay means irreversible process. You put it in the refrigerator. You will only... Prolong the delay. You can you imagine? We have refrigerators. Now we have other kind of refrigerator: Food, exercise, clothing. Nice exercise. Fiber food. Burning calories. Fitness regime. And one day you will die. Can you imagine that? You are going to die. That is a refrigerator. And we take pride. So fit. Irony of it, of it all is, uh, irony of all ironies is we have one president called President Donald Trump and he eats the, the junkiest food on planet earth, cheeseburgers at 72 years old and he is strong and fit as a fiddle because, you know, everything comes from God, not because of your fitness. You got it? And that, that is not to say that you should not <coughs> exercise, but understand this. Everything is going towards decay. That which is going towards decay, don't try to redeem it. That is accursed. That is one of the observations. Israel is sinned. Who has sinned? As a whole body sin. It's in some unbelievable. In one sense, everybody sins. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5. <clears throat> In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, now this is happening in the Corinthian church, where there is sexual immorality, one guy is sleeping with his stepmother. Right in the church. And he says, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, when the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the power of the Lord, delivers such an one to Satan. For what? Ah, oh, for the destruction of the irredeemable part in his life. That spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is that? Your glorying is not good. My God, you're, just, you're just proud of your actions. Do you not know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven that you be made a new lump since you are truly unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover lamb was sacrificed for us. Need to understand what is a sin? Everybody's sin. And what is the kind of a sin? Next, next observation. What is that sin? Taken that which God said has to be destroyed. First thing. Second thing, they stole that which belonged to God. Both. You take something which God said has to be destroyed. Destroyed. A lot of people. I remember Derek Prince in one of his (laughs) talks or sermons, teaching sessions. He says his grandfather had a Chinese... Dragon. And he received it as an inheritance. Family inheritance. And he was so proud of it. I want that. I want that. He took it and he put it in his home. Dragon. Right there in the, in the front, front, front room. And every day the Lord used to convict him. But that is not very, it's not, it's not, uh, harmful. Come on. It's just a dragon. It is only laughing Buddha. No, it is only... But you don't understand. People who sacrifice to idols are sacrificed to who? Demons. You don't understand that. Okay. And then the Lord said, one day he said, Derek, what is Satan called in the Bible? Dragon. Okay. Yeah. Crouching tiger, hidden dragon is there. Right in front of your, in your house. It's a cursed thing. You know, you need to understand. There's so many things in our lives which are cursed. A cursed. For example, think about it, no? Relationships that you had. Previous relationships. All the photographs. Burn it. Burn it, I say. Don't give enemy a... If you give him that, he will take a square mile. (coughs) Look, now the thing is, that which God has said to be destroyed, has to be destroyed. And that which you stole from God, you have to return it back to God. Now tell me, how do we steal from God? Everybody will say tithes. Maybe time. (coughs) Let me tell you, how we steal from God. If you take something which belongs to God, and use use it for something else, it is, Okay, now what is belong to God? Ah, it is not the. Qu- you should say, brother, it is not what is belonging to God. It is who belongs to God. Understand that? Look at what it says, First Corinthians chapter six, verses nineteen to twenty. Or oh, do you not know that your body, your body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The problem is that when you take anything which God has said has to be completely destroyed and you preserve it. Hey, this is my, I cannot forget this. How can I forget my friends? I'll keep it. You don't never, even never know. Okay. Now the problem is this. What in the new covenant is called accursed? It's very interesting. <clears throat> or who in the new covenant is called accursed? First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be. Or in other words, anything which steals away your love and your devotion to God, which will cause you to be accursed, Another thing, what is what is called accursed, or who is called accursed? Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who has called you in the grace of God to a different gospel, which is not another, but that there are some who trouble you, who want to pervert the gospel of Christ, who are they? And he says, if we preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. And you have a lot of false... Gospels floating around, which feed the flesh and not the spirit, which empower the flesh and not the spirit. Glory in the flesh. Look at say, look at what it says in Second, second Corinthians, chapter eleven, verse one onwards. <clears throat> this is in NIV. I hope that you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous, with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband. It's like this. Now imagine. Me and Abigail. Abigail is growing up. I am taking care of her. One day my dream is, I will be walking down the aisle and giving her away to whom? To her husband. Of hopefully God's choice. Before that God come. Maranatha. <laughs> you are all laughing. When you have girl children, you will know. I remember, no? First time she came to me, she was five, 4 years old. She looked at me and said, "Dad, why can't we marry unbelievers?" And uh, I was looking at Justin. How do how do I answer this? And then Pastor. So I went to Pastor. I said, "Pastor, this is what she said. Four years, Pastor. Four years. And you should see, right from the child, she used to get so excited about weddings in the church. It doesn't matter whose wedding it is. She wants to get dressed." Okay, pastor and I said pastor this is what she has asked and pastor made a very interesting statement he said Vijay tell us something if you are a child of God who is your father? God is your father if you are an unbeliever who is your father? Satan is your father. Ask Abigail if she marries an unbeliever Satan will be her father in law is it okay with you? Thank you, pastor. (laughs) So, went back. Abigail, if you marry an unbeliever, you know who is your father-in-law? Satan. Now, think about it, Now Let me tell you. Marriage is the most intimate union. It is just not a physical union. It is a spiritual union. That is the reason why it says, they are no longer two but what? One. it's something it's a mystery that is the reason why it's compared with a union with God, with Christ and his church it's a spiritual transaction it's a covenantal relationship through which law and love flow you get yourself joined to somebody else you get an entire baggage with them and that is the reason why If Solomon is saved, great is the grace of God. 900 wives Baba, what are you talking about? Look, what kind of a demonic transaction happened? Think about it. Think about the kind of demonic transaction. These girls were going and worshipping Ashtaroth and all the demons over there and this guy is marrying them. Boy, if he's saved, if he's heaven, if he's in heaven, can you imagine the guy who said, do not go to the home of an adulteress? The same one can go, and he says, if you go to the home of an adulteress, she's going to take you to hell. The depths of hell, and none who go to her parts will return. She, he said that, right? It is an irreparable damage in that area. It's a demonic transaction. And what has happened? There's a church which is selling the... I mean, there's a gospel which is selling the people to the world. And what has happened? All the nonsense has come into the world. That is the reason why it says, in the last days, men will run after doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. Doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. I was discussing with pastor the other day when I was dropping him off at the airport. He said one day, he said, Vijay, the one thing I really am... You no, satisfied about the church is the pulpit was consciously uncompromising. Whatever struggles we might have gone through as pastors, one thing we endeavored, Lord, we keep on praying as the eldership, Lord, let there be no error from the pulpit. Because if this goes, everything is gone. It's like, it's like the conscience of the church is the pulpit. Buck up, buck up, buck up, will say the conscience. And the pilots will say, shut up! And you know what happens to the pilot? He goes and crashes into the mountain. The pil- pulpit is like a conscience. What has happened? But I'm afraid. I, the one, I, I, I was betrothing you to one husband. What has happened? But I'm afraid just as he was deceived by the serpent's cunning. Somebody said, <laughs> I think they had this verse in mind. <coughs> Let me be harmless as a servant, not servant, serpent. Cunning. Your minds may be somehow led astray for the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Simplicity which is in Christ, other translations will use. What happened? For if someone comes and says, preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus, so they produce a what? Another Jesus. That's the reason why I said, no, when you read the Bible and you do your research, you will get a result—a Jesus who is authentic. And what are they preaching? Another Jesus. Not the Jesus of the Bible. Another spirit. Another gospel. And you put up easily with them. You see? If anyone teaches otherwise, 1st Timothy chapter 6, does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus, and to the doctrine which accords, you see that? There is an according, you know what according means? Playing the symphony with the doctrine, making a sound which is not a cacophony. Now for example, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're able, now what happens when you when he's tuning the guitar and, he's, and if the guitar is untuned and you're playing it, <laughs> he'll stand in front of you and he will do uh, He's trying to pull the strings in his, in his imagination so that it, it can sound proper. There's discord. There's no according with godliness. He's proud knowing nothing. He's obsessed with disputes, arguments etc. And what does he do? Godliness is a means of Okay. So, observations. What happens? Therefore, there is defeat. The church, instead of fighting the powers of darkness and contending for the souls of men, has become powerless and defenseless. That's exactly what has happened, right? Few few, few days back, what are they doing? They are taking believers to what? To the police station. Believer and believer, taking them to the police station. In, in front of the Gentiles. Church people fighting, putting it on, uh, uh, recording it on camera and putting it on YouTube. Before the Gentiles. A shame and a mockery. You see, when Israel experienced defeat, it was a physical defeat. You could see it. Ours is a spiritual defeat. It is not conspicuous at all. It's not conspicuous. You cannot see it easily. You cannot detect it easily. Because it's innocuous as I said. Sin is innocuous. (coughs) let's move on let's go back to Joshua chapter 7 therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but they turned their backs before their enemies because they had become what? doomed to destruction and God is not with them anymore so what should you do? sanctify yourself what should you do? sanctify yourself and take away from you the accursed remove it and then I will give you victory. But let us see what should we do in order to do that. Let's move on. So Joshua rose early in the morning. I like that. What is that? Everybody say that? Read it loudly. You know what? If you go through the book of Joshua, every time God says something to him, he rises up early in the morning. Abraham, when he was asked to sacrifice his son on the altar, he rose. That means it stands for immediate action. Okay, I will pick it up. We should not. Okay, first I will start off with. Uh, I'm taking one packet of cigarettes now. I will start with half packet. Ten cigarettes, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Countdown. You now what will happen? It will become a circle. After one, you will not be able to stop. What should you do? Stop it right now. Immediate action. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by the tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. Boy, look at that. Who was taken? Judah. He brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of Zarites. And he brought the family of Zarites, man by man, Zabdi was taken. In other words, they were doing Sherlock Holmes. Process of elimination. Going to, they were doing a detailed analysis of their, of their lives. Not taking things lightly. Zabdi was taken. And then what happens? Then he brought the household of man by man. The trouble was taken. Achan. The son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, son of, of the tribe of Judah was taken. Which tribe did he belong to? Judah. You know, the Hebrew word for Judah is Yehudi. From which we get the word Jew. You see, this? What, is, what does it mean? This guy has got a, a form of godliness, but no power inside of him. Form of godliness, but no power. Romans chapter 2 will say this. But if you call yourself a Jew, rely on the law, boast in God, know his will, approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure you you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children. And then it says, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge of truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You, while you preach against stealing, do you steal? You you say that one one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? And then he says, you who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Why? For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. You're not a Christian because you're outwardly, because you have went into the waters of baptism. I am baptized. You don't know what is the meaning of baptism. No! Circumcision is not outward and physical, but he's a Jew who's one inwardly. Circumcision is a matter of heart by the Spirit, not of the letter. Praise is from God and not from man. See that? And what happens to the false gospel? It says, anything which is contrary is false gospel, that is something which which should be, which is accursed. What has happened? Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? See, you're always worried about what man thinks and not what God thinks. Let's move on. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the God of Israel and make confession. And what did Achan say? I have said. You know, confession is a powerful weapon extremely powerful weapon which disarms principalities. We sang that song in the morning. Right? So, look at what it says in Micah, chapter 7. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. What will I do? Rejoice not over me or my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be, be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because... I have sinned against me. Until he pleads my cause, executes judgment for me, he will bring me out into the light. I shall wait for his indication. So a lot of people will say, I have sinned. So let me show you how many people, some people in the Bible who said, I have sinned. Okay. The first person when I was searching in the Bible for the phrase, I have sinned, the first person I encountered is Mr. Pharaoh. Okay. He said, I have sinned. Okay, by the way, before we go to Sparrow, this Achan, it is not a confession of a man who is under conviction of sin. I have sinned his sin, but he is not under conviction. It is a confession of a man who has been exposed, found out. Okay, so Jeremiah chapter two twenty-six will say, as a thief is ashamed when he is caught, so is the house of Israel. They are not ashamed because they have sinned against God. They are ashamed because they are found out. That is the first kind of, I, I have sinned. But look at what it says in Joshua chapter 7. How he confesses his sin. When I saw among the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, weighing 50 shekels. What did I do? I coveted them, took them, and that they are hidden, hidden in the earth in the midst of the tent, with the silver under it. And then, so, Uh, James will say, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin which has fully grown brings forth death. So uh, there was this one man who really enumerated it very nicely. You know, he says, how to successfully sin. So I think it's Thomas A. Kempis, if I'm right. Successive steps in successful temptation. This is what he has to say. (laughs) First, the bare thought of sin enters then a picture is formed of the sin in the uh, uh, then a picture formed of the sin is hung on the secret skin of the imagination so you are imagining okay first it enters then you imagine it a strange sweetness from that picture is then let down drop by drop into the heart okay that's the reason why it says the lips of a strange worm drip like honeycomb. okay drop by drop into the heart then it says then the secret sweetness soon secures the consent of the whole soul. Then the thing is done. Let's go over it once again. First the bare thought of sin enters. Picture is formed in the imagination. That is the reason why, wh- what do we need? Sanctified imagination. Strange sweetness from that picture is then let down drop by drop into the heart. Secret sweetness soon secures the consent of the whole soul. Then the thing is done. So where should we stop it? When the bare thought comes, stop it. So we have people who say, I have sinned. But this is not a confession of a man who is under conviction. He just found out. I'll show you a lot of people in the Bible, at least five or six people who said, I have sinned. The first person who says, I have sinned, you know, is Mr. Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 9 verse 24. So there was hail and fire mingled with hail. Finished. There was hail all over the land. Only the land of Goshen, there was no hail. Then what happened? Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned. This time the Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Sounds like a fantastic uh, uh, confession. Entreat the Lord for me. What kind of a confession is this? It is a confession of an unregenerate soul. Okay, and then what happens? How do you know it is not genuine confession? When Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and the thunder ceased, he sinned yet more. He hardened his heart. Nothing has changed. He says, "I have sinned," but there is no conviction of sin. He's initially is really scared about sin. He's fighting. Maybe possibly deep inside, but he's not really converted. You know, there was one man of God called William Grunel. Look at what he says about sin and Satan, okay, of the unregenerate man. The state of unregeneracy is a state of friendship between sin and Satan. I'll give you an example, okay. If it be enmity against God as it is, then friendship with Satan. Now it will be hard to make that soul fight in earnest against his friend. Is Satan divided? Will the devil with within fight the devil without? No. Answer is no. Satan in the heart shut out the de- shut out Satan at the door. Sometimes indeed there appears a scuffle between Satan and the carnal heart, but it is a mere cheat, like the fighting of two fences on a stage. I'll give you an example. You know there was a very big blockbuster movie a few years back which was released all over the country, all over the world from Telugu industry. Anybody knows the movie? Anybody? Bahubali, okay, very good, okay, so there are two characters in the movie, okay, One is Mr. Bahubali and the antagonist Balaladev. and everybody is watching the movie. Bahubali and Balaladev have this animosity toward each other, okay, and you want to see that spectacle, so what do you do? You spend two hundred and fifty rupees and you go to IMAx, and everybody is looking at the screen, and who 's fighting? Bahubali is fighting Balaladev. And of course, Bahubali dies. His son comes back. He is fighting Balaladev. Everybody, what a fight. He hates him. And you pay the movie. And you go back home. Next day, you watch the television interview. Success story of Bahubali. Who is there in the bar? Balaladev and Bahubali sitting next to each other and drinking beer. What are they doing? Drinking beer. What have they done? They stole your money. They gave you an appearance that they are fighting each other. And they laughed all the way to the bank. That is an unregenerate soul. What does he think? Oh, I know this is wrong. He will fight. But you know what? After a while, they will go to the bar and they are friends. How can sin fight Satan? Satan. That is an unregenerate soul. He says, I have sinned, but there's no change. In fact, when the repercussions for his sinful action are removed, he will sin more, not less. That is the first, I have sinned. Second, I have sinned. I looked at this. This is Numbers chapter 22. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. Oh, <laughs> who said? Balaam also said, I have sinned. And you know, It's remarkable, no? Look at what it says. What is the kind of a sin is this? This is Numbers chapter 23 verse 10. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even the fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. He wants the death of the righteous. But you know what? For 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 15, it will say, he loved the wages of, he likes the death of the righteous, but he loves the wages of unrighteousness. What is he? A double-minded man and his confession is a double-minded confession. Nothing is going to happen. No change. He will also say, I have sinned." Second, it's a confession of a double-minded man. Look at what uh, Spurgeon says. To good and evil equally bent, and both a devil and a saint. That's Balaam. I remember I told you, you know, in my, in my school there was one guy, his name is Savio Bent. What is his name? Savio Bent. So my my maths teacher used to look at him, Savio Bent, I will make you straight. A very mischievous fellow. But that which is bent, can it be made straight? You are already double-minded. You say, I have sinned. But you love the rages of unrighteousness. But you also like the death of the righteous. That isn't going to happen. That sin is not confession at all. Then another person. First Samuel chapter 15. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Who said this? Saul. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, so I gave to them, gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. And look at what it says. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. What is this? This is the confession of an insecure man. What does he want? He wants a throne all the time. He once he has come to the throne. He doesn't want to leave it. He's very insecure all the time. If somebody else comes, he doesn't. David killed us. I mean, Saul killed us thousands. David is 10,000. Finished. Gone. Insecure. He wants to hold on to his throne. Come what may. Presence of God has gone from his life. Can you imagine the presence of God has gone from your life and you still want to hold on to your throne? What kind of a confession is that? Lord, take the throne, Lord. I want your presence. Take the throne. I want your presence. I have sinned. What is that? Confession of a man. look at what he says again, 1st Samuel chapter 15 But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you you have rejected the word of the Lord and Samuel turned and left Saul Saul caught hold of the hem of the robe and it tore and then what happens? Samuel said to him the Lord has torn the kingdom from Israel from you he who is the glory of Israel shall not lie for he is not a human being that he should change his mind Saul replied I have sinned, please come and honor me before the elders, please they should not feel that I am a sinner. I have sinned. Please, but you come and honor before me, the elders. The confession of an insecure man. Let's move to another guy. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 16 onwards. Shemayaz, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, from Behurim, hurried to come down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And with him were a thousand men from Benjamin. And Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, With his 15 sons and his 20 servants rushed down to the Jordan before the king. And Shimea the son of Gera fell down before the king and he was about to cross the Jordan and said, Let not my lord hold me guilty or remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left to Jerusalem. Do not let the king take it to heart for your servant knows that I have sinned. What is this confession? This confession is a confession of a man who is bitter and unmerciful. Confession of a bitter and unmerciful man. What will he do? He will curse David. Why? Because he thought he stole the throne. But when the odds are changed, he will come and beg for mercy. But never is merciful to others. Never. How do you know that he's not merciful to others? His, his, his servants run away from his home. Unmerciful. The confession of an unmerciful and a bitter man. Next. I have sinned. Another person who said, I have sinned. 2nd Samuel chapter 19, verse 10. Oh, sorry. Uh, verse, uh, yeah, verse 10 onwards. <clears throat> now, therefore, the sword shall not depart from your house because you have despised me and I've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be, your, to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes, give them to your neighbor who shall lie with them for what you did in secret, I will do it openly. David said to Nathan, I have sin, And what does Nathan say? The Lord also has put away your sin. Everybody, the Lord doesn't say the Lord has put away your sin. But David, he says I put away your sin. What does that mean? You know, this is a confession of a genuine repentant man, genuine penitent man. Look at what he says in Psalm 51. Everybody knows this, no? Look at what he says. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have sinned, Lord. You know what this this kind of a sin is? How could I sin against a God who is so merciful to me and so kind to me? That is a confession of a genuine repentant man. Finally, the confession of the Prodigal, look at what it says in Luke chapter 15. But when he came to himself, he came to senses. How many of the father's hired servants have more enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sin. I have sin. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servant. So can you imagine this guy? Father, I no longer am worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servant. What is his intention? At least I will work, get my act together and one day I I can come before you and ask you. But you know what the father says? And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran, embraced, kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. But the father said said to his son, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his head, shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it, let us eat and celebrate. What kind of a confession is yours? It is a confession of a guy who is exposed, confession of a guy who is hardened, confession of a guy who is bitter, confession of a guy who is double minded. Confession of a guy who's 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 insecure. Confession of a guy who's genuinely repentant. And to that man, you know what God says? I have put away your sin. But God is very severe with sin, my dear brothers. He's extremely severe with sin. He cannot tolerate it. He says, I have to punish it. I have to judge it. So what happens in Joshua chapter 7? Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan. The son of Zerah, the silver, the garment. You know what garment it is? It's called a Babylonian garment. Babylonian, it's a garment. Patal, vastram. Can you imagine vastram? He got tempted. His daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent and all that he had. Can you imagine everybody? Now think about it. Why should his sons suffer for his sin? Question is, you know, many, many scholars believe that they were also accomplices in his crime. Remember the sons of Korah? When the earth was being removed, was opening up, what did they do? They ran from the tents of their father and joined themselves with Moses. They did not want to take care, take part in the sins of their fathers. But these people, no. His sons and his daughters and his wife and everybody was accomplices. In other words, everybody was in it together. In other words, if the father is compromised, it is easy for the sons and the daughters also to compromise. Since spreads. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? And the Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones. And they burned them with fire. After they had stoned him with stones. Then they raised over him a heap of stones. Still there to this day. What does it mean? What is heap of stones? It is a memorial. Never go back that path again. Remember, so the Lord turned from the fierceness of His anger. This is God. God who is absolute. That is the reason why He says God who is plenty, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He doesn't, he does, he does not, He gets angry, but He's slow to anger. He will get angry. He's slow to it. He will not vindicate sin. He has to judge it. I mean, He will vindicate it. Therefore, the name of the place is called what? The valley of Achor to this day. To this day. The question I want to ask us this morning. What kind of a God do you serve? Do you know this God? Do you know God in his totality, in his entirety? That he is severe with sin? That he will not let sin go unpunished? If you don't kill sin, sin will ultimately kill you. And one of the most dangerous sins is when you covet. That is the reason why it says in Romans chapter 7 when the law said thou shalt not covet what happened? All form of covetous desires were exposed within my heart. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, I did not commit adultery. But finally there is one commandment called thou shalt not covet. How many of you have not coveted? Can you imagine that? Everybody is guilty. Starts there. Therefore, the name of the place has called the Valley of Acor to this day. And then you will say, which is such a terrible message in the Bible. Why did you teach us on a Sunday morning on a seventh, seventh day of the seventh month? Seventh day of the seventh month, by the way. Seven, seven 2019, 18, 2019. Why did you do this? What? Okay, fine. I messed up in my life. I have so many secret sins. What do I do? What do I do? Is there no hope for me? You see, Hosea, the prophet Hosea in chapter 2 will say, this is fantastic, no? This is Hosea. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of trouble a door of hope. What is this a picture of? And there she will answer, in, as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt, what she will answer? She will say, You are my husband, not my master. You are my husband. What does it mean? It means this. I sinned, I messed up. Hosea, you should look at the life of Hosea. God tells Hosea, go and marry this lady, who is going to be unfaithful to you. He marries. She's unfaithful. She leaves the home. And you know what God says? Go and buy her back. What? How are you going to go? go, go? I mean, she's, going, she's in the marketplace and she's being sold. And Hosea goes, you know what the Bible says? He emptied everything that he had and he bought her back. He emptied his pockets and he bought her back to himself. And when, I, when you read that, you'll say, what a God is this? The most intimate relationship, she has betrayed. But she still wants, he still wants to buy her back. And what does he do in order to do that? He empties his pocket. That's the reason why it says, God did not spare his own son, but what? Gave him up for us all. He gave him up for us all so that he can buy us back to himself and make a covenant with us. You know what he says? Now, if you are willing to kill sin in in, in your life, I am there to help you. I will be your husband. You know, the law was a very bad husband. So either the law had to die or you had to die. That's the reason why uh, Romans chapter 7 will say, law is a very bad husband. He will always always tell, chapati is not good. But Jesus will say, your chapati is not good. But let me help you out. I will come and help you to make good chapati, which is pleasing to me. But the law will only condemn. But Jesus says, I will come into a covenantal relationship with you. The very place you fail, I will open a door of hope for you. And what am I going to do? All you have to do is one thing. I have sinned. What should, I, what should you say? I have sin. Genuine confession. Genuine. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 1. If we say... What is that? Everybody say. If we say we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, what? Cleanses us from all sin. That is the covenantal relationship. He will purge us with His blood. And then He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So don't say, what was, what was Achan saying? I did not sin. I have not sinned. He was only found out, and then he repented. Don't say that. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then finally, verse eight. If verse ten. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Don't ever, ever, ever. In other words, when God says this is sin, call it what it is. And you watch trash on the internet. Say, Lord, I committed adultery with my eyes. Don't say this is a white lie. It is a lie. If you stole one rupee, say, Lord, I am stealing. I remember Abigail and uh, Emmanuel, no? When they were growing up, they were just three or four years old. There's a bathtub, okay? I usually give them a shower together, three or two, three and four and two years old, okay. The bathtub was black with footprints. And I came into the bathroom and I said, Abigail, what, is, what happened to the bathtub? She looked at me, it is not my idea. She said, it will be a good idea for us to get into our, with our feet into the bathtub and mess it up. I was only following her. And I looked at her and I said, I was thinking in my mind, and you expect me to buy it. I am PhD in robotics. I have some intelligence. Don't insult my intelligence. That's exactly what we do with God. I didn't, I didn't sin law. I, I just, just, what? What? Really? Really? You know, God is one person who can factor everything in one second. He is like a, uh, Sherlock Holmes to the power of infinity. You remember Dr. Watson when he comes for the first time in Sherlock Holmes, uh, that book, the study in Scarlet, he looks at him. He looks at Dr. Watson and he says, you're from Afghanistan, right? Dr. Watson looks at him and he says, how did you do that calculation? You see, and he gives him the theory of deductive reasoning. I calculated all the steps in one second and I came to the answer. He's shocked. Can you imagine if Sherlock Holmes can calculate? God can calculate every step that you have not factored. And you have put it under the carpet. Somewhere you made an addition and you didn't show it. God knows it. He knows it precisely. Don't try to hide from God. Don't insult his intelligence as Don Corleone will say. Don't insult his intelligence. Don't say, Lord, this is what I am. But if you confess your sins, what is he? He is faithful and what? Just. Both. He is faithful to forgive you and he, the just punishment for your sin he will put on Jesus and he will open a door of hope for you. And not only that, he will come inside of you, he will become your husband and he will say, I will help you now. I am not going to be like that hen, that husband who will sit and say, give me my khana. I am going to help you in the kitchen with your khana. Can you imagine God? that kind of a God we have? He is going to open a door of hope where we have failed. But all he is looking for is a confession. Will you confess today? Will you confess? That is the reason why we have a table here. A table. You know? At that table there was one guy. There was sin in his heart. And everybody, you know, Jesus looked at everybody and he said, one of you is going to betray me. Everybody is saying, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? And one guy said, Lord, is it I? Can you imagine... How Nobody thought that Judas was the sinner. Nobody thought. Can you imagine how intelligent Judas was? Nobody understood. Nobody. Only God knew.
1: Satan has already entered in
0: his heart. And he looked at him and says, whatever you want to do it, do it quickly. And he eats that communion, goes into the wilderness, goes into the darkness, and he never comes back. You know what? He also says, I have sinned. I have sinned, I have betrayed innocent blood. But that is not godly sorrow. That is worldly sorrow, which will bring regret, and therefore death. He also says, I have sinned. But no hope for him is gone into the darkness. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful, He is just to forgive you and the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What does it mean? He will set you right and he will justify you and he will look at you as if you have never sinned. That is in the valley of our our door of hope for all of us. That is the reason why we come to the table this morning. And even as we partake of the communion, let this not be an exercise which is a ritual. This is powerful. Elements are powerful. This is life. It's a very bread. It's not substance substitution. No, it's not. But if you believe it, the very life of God can flow and it can cause you to walk in God's ways. few minutes, even as we sing the song, I would request all of us to just bow our hearts. And if you, in your own space, in your own quiet space, this morning, set your heart in order with God. If you have anything against a neighbor, if you are slandering against another brother or a sister in the church or even outside in your offices don't say it's just gossip, it's murder if you assassinated a character of a person who is made in the image of God, don't take it lightly any sin if you have borrowed money and you deliberately are not returning it evading deliberately not if you are struggling I am saying deliberately what if God says a wicked borrow and do not repay back ask God Lord help me Lord forgive me call sin what it is don't give it fancy names and let let our confession not be like the confession of Pharaoh who after everything is removed, his heart is even more hardened and set to sin more. Or even the confession of Balaam was double-minded. But let it be the confession of David who said, Lord, I know the fact of my sin. I know the depth of my sin. I know there is no good inside of me. I'm shaped in sin, birthed in iniquity. O oh Lord, have mercy upon me. Purge me with his support. want to hide my sin. Word of God says, he who hides his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes it will obtain mercy. And this is the table of mercy. This morning, even as we are led in song, I would encourage all brothers and sisters this morning, let the Word of God convict let it burn in your hearts and let, let it bring conviction. That is exactly the exact reason why the, John's gospel will say when the Holy Spirit comes he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Confess your sin. Don't hide from God. God is a father. He wants to open a door of hope for you. At the very place he judged. At that very place he judged his son so that he can open a door for you. He who did not know sin became sin for us. He became curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon us. He became poor so that we may be made rich. He became weak so that we may be made strong. What a divine exchange on the cross. That is the gospel my dear brothers and sisters. At the valley of echo. A door of hope. For all those who genuinely confess. say Lord. I have idols in my heart. You are not first in my life. My career is first. My marriage is first. My relationship with friends is first. You are not first. Lord. Tear down those idols Lord in my heart. I want to put you first in my life. They don't save me. They are not my righteousness. They did not die for my sin. My wife did not die for my sin. My boss did not die for my sin. It is you, Lord. It was only the eternal God who could consume and satisfy the eternal wrath. It was God who was crucified and not man alone. The only God in the bosom of the Father opened a door of hope for us. This morning, in your quiet, even as you read in song, repent. Ask God for the gift of repentance. Yes, able. Your only son, No sin to hide,
1: But you
0: have said your side to walk upon this guilty song and to become. Father, we just thank you, Father. Father, whatever we do, we do it by faith. And this morning, all of us, we confess our sins. We have sinned, O Lord. We have done iniquity. Our forefathers have sinned. Father, this morning, have mercy. Have mercy, Father. Have mercy, Father. And for all those brothers and sisters, oh Lord. Father who is struggling and who said, Lord, help me. I pray, Father, that even as they take part of the emblems, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen them, oh Lord. By faith, oh Lord. Touch, Lord, touch. Let there be healing in each one of our bodies. Oh Father, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. Lord, we are not worthy of the least of your blessings, Lord. But in spite of that, in spite of the fact that we were sinners, we were powerless, we were ungodly, we were enemies, you still died for us. Father, forgive us. Grant us the gift of repentance, Lord. Change us from the inside out. Let there be never a superficial confession. Let the confession be genuine, O Lord. But even the powers of darkness will know. And they will not bring any condemnation. Because your word says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. O oh Father, take away the guilt. Take away the shame. Even as we confess. Even as we repent. And enable us to continue... In our repentance, oh Lord, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Final verse for today before we end Romans chapter 8, verse 31 onwards. It says, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Exactly what happens. With Joshua. The moment he deals with sin. Jesus comes and says. God comes and says. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I am with you now. I know. All courage is gone. Because you were defeated. But because you dealt with sin. Radically. I am with you. If God is for us. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his son. In other words, you know what God did? He emptied his pockets so that we could have life. Emptied completely. The best he gave for ourselves, for our sins. The best. The perfect. The lamb without spot, spot and without blemish. He gave and said, if he did not spare his son, but delivered up for us all, how much more will he give us all things? And I'll tell you what all, th- all those things are. One of the all things is that He will give you the gift of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit in your heart and in your life so that you will overcome any sin in your life. No sin will be too small or too great. Every sin can be conquered. You know, you should go with this assurance, my dear brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ did not only die for our sin, He came us to empower, He came to empower us so that we can overcome sin in our lives. We can say no to sin and ungodliness and we live godly, contented lives on this earth. And then next verse will say, Who shall bring any charge against God select? Who can bring? Answer, no one. The highest court has dismissed you, not guilty. The supreme court in the heavenlies has dismissed you, not guilty. It is God who justifies. If God does not justify us, it does not matter how many others justify. You are still a sinner. But if God justifies, it doesn't matter who else condemns. You are free. You are free. And it says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. The very God. Romans chapter 9 verse 5 it says, Christ was God when he was crucified. It was God who was crucified, not man. It was God who was crucified. It is Christ who died and furthermore also risen, Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. That is the reason why he is called the high priest. The apostle and the high priest of our." Confession. But let your confession be genuine. Don't hide. Don't hide. I know so many struggling with secret sins. Defeated in their personal lives. Absolutely defeated. I'm not talking about those people who are struggling and trying to overcome. But there's some of you who have compromised. And who are not even aware of it now. But you don't realize unless you are one you are going to the other side. Not to heaven. I don't know. I don't even want to say anything. If you do not kill sin, kill, will, sin will kill you. That's a warning we have to give from this pulpit every time. You don't kill sin. Sin will ultimately kill you. But if you, by the spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You know something? It is something you can taste. It's like Caleb. He says, Lord, give me those mountains. They will be fodder for us. They will be nourishment for us. And the more you conquer sin, the more confidence you have in God, the more you are strong in your inner man, the more you are able to pray and intercede and come against powers of darkness. So many of us are weak. You know why? Because we have taken sin lightly. We have compromised. We have lowered the standards. Our walls are down in our lives and the enemy has entered. So this morning, if you are standing, can we all stand up in the presence of God? Father, Just ask God, no? Ask God for a cleansing once again. I'm going back from this place. But Lord, I want to go back cleansed and assured. Assured. You can give me that assurance. It is a God who sees the penitent. There was one guy who just hit his breast and said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Jesus said this man went home justified do you want to go home justified or do you want to go home dignified do you want to hide your sin or do you want to confess your sin it's up to you Jesus Christ the apostle and the high priest of our confession but if you say you are without sin you make him a liar and his truth is not in you but if you confess, He is faithful. He is just. Father, this morning I pray Father, for all my brothers and sisters. Father, you know those who are struggling. I pray that you would comfort them. You would exhort them. You would encourage them. And for those who are walking in rebellion, you would warn them. And for those who are absolutely not understanding what is being said, I pray that you would quicken them. Waken them, Lord. Father, I pray that there will be a mighty harvest of souls, even in this place, O Lord. People will be brought back from the clutches of the enemy, who has held them bondage in shame and in guilt and in condemnation. By faith, O Lord, we break the roofs down, and we bring ourselves to You. And we want to hear those sweet words from your lips. Son, your sins have been forgiven you. Speak to our spirit man this morning, O Lord. Cleanse us. Wash us. Sanctify us. Set us apart. Empower us to overcome sin every day of our lives. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. And let Lord, may the Lord Jesus Christ direct our hearts to the love of God and to the patience in Jesus Christ. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.